0: Welcome to CisFlix, the podcast where we won't judge you for talking through the movie. Cisflicks are the movies you laugh at, yearn for, and overanalyze with your girls' significant others and now us. We are your hosts, Paola and Nadja, two sisters and designers who discuss chick flicks we hate to love, tropes we love to hate, and all of the aesthetic choices in between. Join us as we break down our favorite movies together. Hi, everyone! Welcome back to another episode of the Cisflix Podcast with your hosts Najam Pauna. Today we will be doing hocus pocus. Welcome to spooky season, baby. Things are getting pretty spooky. It's all <laughs> hocus pocus. It's all a bunch of hocus pocus. Naja, how do you feel about Spooky Season? How do you feel about Halloween and Halloween movies? So I've always been ambivalent to positive about Halloween because I like the fanfare of it. I used to get a lot of candy, so that was really good for me for a long time. And I've grown to like it more as an adult Not really even like for myself, like Halloween makes other people really happy. And I like that because being alive sucks. So I'm like, if this is a thing that brings you joy, I think you should have that. And if it's Halloween, that's so fun. What about you? What are your feelings on Halloween? I am very ambivalent about Halloween. And I know that's like anti-American. But... um Halloween, for me, growing up, it was more like my mom just helping us indoctrinate into American culture and society. So Halloween became more of a thing when you came along and got older. And then I'm not just the only American kid now. Now now it's me and you. And so we moved and now we're in the suburbs. That's like kind of the beginning of like your recollected childhood, right? Like you're five, six, you're starting kindergarten, first grade. I was 11 going on twelve. We're in the burbs. It's quiet. It's cute. I tell you, we're in a neighborhood where like my mom felt safe Mm -hmm. and I was at an age where I can walk around outside. It was very much like, okay, Paola, this is what you do now for Nadia. Parentification. The responsibility of making your Halloween nice was passed down to me. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, well... There's this thing I got to do. Let's make it fun. Like, now it's a project. Like, okay, let's get cute. Let's do it. So, Nadia, what do you want to be? I know one year you wanted to be a monkey. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be your your zookeeper. And, you know, <laughs> like, I dressed up with you. And then I would take you trick-or-treating. Yeah. So, when we get into Hocus Pocus, I relate so much to the kid. Because our first, like, real trick-or-treating out in the suburbs Halloween and I still felt relatively new in town and I hadn't made any real connections and made friends or anything. So it was just me and you just trick or treating. And um, I relate to him in a way with like this responsibility to take out your little sister in a place you don't know. And you're kind of like, nobody likes me here. And why are we here? And I want to go home. Yeah, you know, I think part of it for you might be in addition to the fact that Halloween is not like natural to us, but like more to you than to me. I think you also maybe associate it with like work because being 13 and needing to take your eight year old sister trick or treating sucks ass. And you were cool about it. Yeah, I was Max. Yeah. I think in the movie he's 15 and she's eight. She does not act eight. She is not no eight. She's not eight. <sighs> that kid's 10 years old at least. If she's a day, she's like a 65 year old woman. But yeah, <laughs> I think you associated from a younger age. I think you associated it with this like caretaking and like work aspect that just makes things less mm-hmm. fun. Period. I try to make it fun though. Like, you know you what, did. I, what I you used to like? Did. So one thing that I kind of just took up was I wanted to be dressed up when kids came to the door. Yeah, for candy. I wanted it to be fun for them. So it just became about like I wanted to make it fun for for you and for like whoever visited our house. Are you an elder oh. daughter? <sighs> oh, <goodness>.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you are. If you're an eldest daughter, you deserve financial compensation for my purposes. You were like the de facto oldest just because you <laughs> for your purposes for yes. my purposes, of being a child at the time just because you were around the most so you were like in charge of me a lot of the time and we're both girls and like going back to quickly why we're doing an episode on hocus pocus aside from the fact that it's this like iconic halloween movie now right 30 years after its release hocus pocus has been out for 30 years guess who else has been out for 30 years me baby i am 30 yeah. years old 30, flirty, and thriving. 30, flirty, and thriving. Only with my husband. And (laughs) in honor of both of us being 30 and of it being spooky season, we wanted to talk about Hocus Pocus. This is going to be a hoot and a holler. Why? Because I really enjoy this movie. I watched it a lot as a child because when we moved to the suburbs, we had a real cable package. If you know, you know. We ended up being like Disney Channel. Disney Channel Kids. Kids. Like 98, 99 Disney Channel kids. And this is a Disney movie, obviously from the early 90s, 1993, just like me. And it would replay on Disney, ABC Family, back before it was whatever it's called now. And that was just the OG Halloween movie. Like they would play it at school on days that I assume teachers were hungover. You know what I mean? <laughs> So I had this experience of, you know, just turning on the TV and Hocus Pocus would be on and then you just watch it. Paola kind of didn't. And so we have different memories of this movie and different feelings about it. I just saw it on the background. Like I caught bits and pieces of it. I honestly didn't see it from start to finish until I was an adult with children and then realized it was not a children's movie. (laughs) I also want to say Paola is so much better at supervising and moderating what her kids watch <laughs> than our parents. Than our parents worked. were. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like the minute saw, my kid was like, mommy, what's a virgin? You like, were like X, uh, out of the rotation. Um, this movie inappropriate. We're taking it off. Yep. I clearly, I don't have kids. I have not had that experience. My dog doesn't speak English. And I, I don't have to tell anyone what a virgin is. I mean, that's really the only thing that for children I would have, I would be like on the lookout for. If you're watching this around kids, you know, you you got to be prepared to like answer that question or deviate that question or however you choose to you know, handle that, but you have to be prepared for it. Um, I mean, and then there's like other questionable parts, I guess that now as an adult, I see, but I think for children, it goes over their heads. So it does. I would say that this movie lands in like a really interesting space where Bona and I were just talking about this with regard to you've got mail where I think a lot of movies like don't really land where ostensibly the main character for The majority of the movie is like a 15-year-old boy. So like he's not out here just trying to get laid. He's a 15-year-old boy. He has a crush on a girl and that's pretty much that. They're not 18. They're not trying to get in a bone before college. They're not 10 where they're like trying to solve magic spells. They're firmly in this middle ground where you can have like some of these kind of raunchy jokes or you can make some of these references to like being a virgin or whatever but they also don't really mean anything tangible for the characters which is a good sweet spot for like a family movie i think so right so that's why so you got the younger kids the stuff's gonna go over the head yeah and then you got the older kids who are gonna be like oh you know that's it nobody's really offended and with that I'm going to get into a little bit of background info before Paola hits us with the synopsis. Hocus Pocus, released in 1993. It is a Disney movie directed by Kenny fucking Ortega. Can we talk about him for a second? Kenny Ortega, also known as the director of the high school musical movies, also known as the choreographer of Dirty Dancing. This man's career. Yo, that is some range. Spans far and wide. Okay. (laughs) What a career. Just what a tenure. I cannot relate. And he's like not an old man. He's only a few years older than our parents. He's not old. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, he like choreographed the Michael Jackson like this is it movie. Not movie, but like the show. Like what the fuck? What a career. Oh my God. Okay. That is, that's wild and crazy. That's bonkers. So this was directed by Kenny Ortega, a young Kenny Ortega. Cause at the time that this came out, my man was in his early forties. It was written by David Kirshner, Mick Garris and Neil Cuthbert. A fun fact that Bona and I were talking about before we started recording is that the story was conceptualized by David Kirshner, who is also one of the producers. And, apparently he just came up with it on a whim when he was sitting on his stoop with his daughter saw a black cat walk past them and decided that he was going to weave this elaborate tale of how the cat was actually a man trapped in a cat's body who was cursed by witches in the 1700s and I think that's really cute and fun the movie stars I think his name is pronounced Omri Omri Katz who is a retired actor but was an actor as a child, as Max Dennison, who is kind of like our main teenage boy character. Bette Midler. Bet motherfucking Midler. I don't need to say shit about Bet Midler. As Winifred Sanderson, head witch, head bitch. Ooh. Another one, range. Yo, the range. Sarah Jessica Parker as one of the insane witch sisters bananas role and we're gonna get into that kathy najimi she was a pretty prolific actress i want to say like 80s and 90s she does a lot of i think character acting and so she plays weird sister in this sarah jessica parker is horny sister (laughs) kathy najimi is weird sister well i feel like she's like nice sister she's She's like nicer yeah like nicer like more playful not mean not mean. I, i guess that's what i mean she's the comic relief yes Actress Thora Birch as little sister Danny, who, again, in the movie is meant to be around eight years old. This bitch is not eight. She's like a golden girl trapped in a child's body. Actress Vanessa Shaw as Allison, who plays the love interest for our main character, Max Dennison. Sean Murray as Thackeray Binks, who helps us open up the movie. <laughs> also the voice of the cat. And Amanda Shepard as Emily Binks, who is Thackeray Binks' younger sister. The music is by John Debney, costume design by Mary Vogt, production designed by William Sandell. So, Baola's going to give us this little back of the book summary. First, little scorecard up top. It can be a straight or queer movie. <laughs> <laughs> really depends on how you feel. It does not have source of material. It's original. It's an original screenplay. Story by a man and uh, movie by a man. What's the trope? Spooky season? There spook. is no spook? trope. This is witches? spook. Witches and brew. Yeah, witches Hocus and brew. Hocus pocus. <laughs> witches and brew. That's the trope. Let's get that on Book Talk. Witches and brew. So. This is a new kid, Max Dennison. He brings his skepticism with him when he and his family moved to Salem, Massachusetts, right before Halloween. After trying very hard to impress a girl in his class, he unleashes centuries of witchcraft and lore that he can no longer deny. Yeah, we're going to get into like our full breakdown plot summary. This movie, this is such a nostalgic watch. I was I was half paying attention as I was watching this. Don't come for me. Because I've seen it a bunch of times. And I was very fixated on my butter chicken. So we open on this weird ass old spell book bound in leather. The year on the spell book is 1693. Which, if you're familiar with Salem, it's the time when the Salem witch trials took place. Paula has a lot of thoughts about witch trials. <laughs> And we can get into them. We're going to get into them. So we open on this weird fucking spellbook, 1693. Approximately 300 years before the events of this movie purportedly take place. We start panning over a broad expanse of forest. We end up in this kind of old timey home. You can assume it is 1693. Watching a teenage boy sleep fitfully, where he is awoken by some weird fucking demon shadow bullshit happening outside his window. He looks over. I'm guessing he shares a room with his little sister. She is missing from her bed. He freaks out, jumps out of bed. He's the clumsiest boy to ever boy. And he's wearing like an old timey undershirt. And I'm not going to rag on the costume design here because it didn't need to be perfect. Like it didn't need to be good. The costume design here is what it needs to be, right? Like, yeah, we see a sleep shirt. We see some breeches. uh, Knickers. Some breeches. (laughs) bitch. they're not called that until the 1900s he is in a long sleep tunic sleep shirt breeches he's got long hair of the time and he's freaking out he's barefoot runs out of his home we are in the woods baby you could grab a pair of shoes runs over to like the neighboring house where a boy similar to his age is also standing outside looking very confused and he says have you seen my sister boy says no I think she went that way points in kind of a general direction and the boy whose name we do not know yet freaks out obviously going in that direction is bad and tells the other boy call the elders get everyone together send them to that house I wrote find the town elders as if they'll know what the fuck to do historically they'll just kill everyone correct oh love that a plus He runs barefoot in the forest. Again, don't know how he thought that was going to go. Trips and eats absolute shit down this hill. And it looks like it really (laughs) fucking hurts. (laughs) Scratches up his face. Tears up his fucking tunic. That thing looks like shredded cheese. He has this kind of very weird accent that is somewhere between like colonial era England and like not being England because they're obviously like in the new world at this point so this accent not great I don't know if anybody really landed on how they wanted to sound he ends up at this weird old looking almost like Tudor style home kind of stone wood beams there is this incredible CGI purple smoke coming from the chimney (laughs) creepy witch singing and he sees through a window that his sister is being held inside the house by three weird looking ass witches. Winifred motherfucking Sanderson. Not that we know her name yet, but that's who she is, bitch. Played by Bette Midler. Sarah Jessica Parkers as the sister. Her name is Sarah. And then it's Mary. She's Kathy Jamie. So we've got Winifred, Sarah, and Mary. He has to cross like stones on this creek. Again, I just want to emphasize how barefoot he still is. He is hiding, like, underneath a windowsill. This window is wide open, by the way. These witches are terrible at security. Inside, you get this super clear picture of his sister kind of in a chair, looking like a weird Casper ghost. Because what you learn through their interactions with the little girl is that they basically want to consume suck the life out of children life. yes like consume her soul for their youth so that they can remain eternally young it's giving very mother gothel tangled yeah and in doing this it caused the children's life so they literally suck the life out of children to renew their youth and the children die so the shit is dark fun 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 yeah super fun <laughs> He's hiding outside the house. One of the sisters, I think it's uh Mary, says that she can smell a child because Mary is like supposed to be a little dim. The other two sisters are like, "You big-ass idiot, it's the little girl that we're about to drink the life from. So shut the fuck up, Mary and get your shit together. We're making some fucking potions. We're brewing." They have this big cauldron, comical cauldron, honestly. Who, who knows if witches really had this at the time? And they're reading out a spell from this gnarly fucking spell book, okay? I wrote down with my observations that it is bound in leather. We later find out it's bound it's in human skin. skin. Mm. And it has a sentient eyeball. That is like inside of the front cover, this fucking book. So Winifred Sanderson has her comically long 2019 nails. All they need is gems. All right. She's got acrylics. She's tapping on the little book and asking it to wake up because again, the book has thoughts. I'm pretty sure it was a person at some point and they made it. (laughs) So she wakes up the fucking spell book, (laughs) reads out this random creepy ass spell. Some of it rhymes. Bette Midler is spectacular in this role. She makes this fucking role. She makes this fucking movie. By this point that she is reading out the spell and like adding all of the ingredients to this cauldron, the boy has snuck into the house. And even though he's incredibly visible to everyone, they have not yet seen him. He has avoided capture. Now you get more of like a close-up of the witches, including Bette Midler, and they all look like dog shit. So you're like, oh, they need something from this child. Bette Midler, she's hand acting, okay? She didn't need a fucking choreographer. She's out there. She's moving those acrylics. She's wiggling (laughs) her fingers. It's a dance routine that she's got going on. They try to feed this potion to the little girl who is like weakened and very malleable and suggestible. The older brother freaks out, reveals himself. They struggle he knocks over. The cauldron's not hot. They're just, they're pushing the cauldron to each other. They're it's not hot. No it's one's burned. They're mixing cold ingredients in this fucking cauldron. Yeah, no. So then they get into a tuffle. Into a tussle? Tuffle? They get into a tuffle. <laughs> so they get into a tussle where he's trying to, like, get the cauldron. He's trying to push it away. The cauldron's not hot. It's been over a fire, but it's fine. Everyone can touch it. Cast iron weighs 7,000 pounds. And guess what, baby? Everybody pushes this fucking cauldron. He spills their potion and then they lose their shit. They fight with him and they zap him. Apparently, and Ryan said this she last She has night. electric power. Literally, as he and I were watching it, Ryan was like, she could have done that the whole fucking time. Winifred does a weird fucking like spell magic bullshit. Lightning strikes the older brother, incapacitates him. They have just enough potion left in the cauldron to feed to the little girl to make her life force consumable for the witches. They do a weird little like song. They're very choreographed with each other. It's very fun to watch. And they gently, and when I say suck the life out of her, I just mean like they kind of get close to her face and breathe a lot. So they suck the life out of the little girl and they suddenly become younger, prettier. Their skin looks less like absolute ass. They look less like they were slathering lead onto their faces. And the little girl is ostensibly curtains. She's dead. Yo, there's this line after they're pretty again, right? Sarah Jessica Parker has this line where she's like, I'm beautiful. And then they're like, oh, we're young again. And Bette Midler is like, we're younger. Their intention is to get more children and get younger and younger. They want to take all the children from Salem and suck all their lives so that they can be as young as they want or or as young as possible. Then the brother kind of wakes up. He's weakened. He's on the ground. He's been fucking electrocuted by lightning. And he calls them old hags and says they're disgusting. They're like, you know, what are we going to do with him? Like this before they do the spell, what are we going to do with him? Are we going to hang him? Are we going to barbecue him? You know, barbecue what they had in the 1690s. Barbecue. (laughs) Yes, seriously. (laughs) Sarah Jessica Parker's character goes, hang him on a hook and let me play with him, bitch. And this is where it starts where I'm like... Why is she in a kid's movie? Why is this okay? (laughs) Why? It's immediately jail. Throw the fucking keys away. And then Bette Midler goes, no, get the book. And the book, also fucking magic, flies into her hand. (laughs) They took his legs. They took his face, put him on a, you know, (laughs) book cover. And then now he floats. He can't walk. Winifred gets the spell book to find a good spell to put on him. And rather than kill him. She says a better punishment is to turn him into a cat that cannot be killed. Which is really, really mean. And you know what? That would be my worst punishment. That would be a super fucked up way to punish me. And it would work. I would regret what I did to you every day for my endless life. The angry villagers, by this point, he's just been turned into a cat. So you're telling me the villagers couldn't have gotten there 30 seconds sooner? Okay. The villagers have found the witches. The next scene that we get to is the witches in the square at the gallows waiting to be hanged and you know everyone's there because that was a fun Saturday night take the witches to the square hang them afterwards you're gonna go get a like a leg of mutton or whatever and the witches do not give a fuck they're having a great fucking time on these gallows like you think Bette Midler is gonna burst into song you know what I mean because she (laughs) is living and literally the rope is around their neck you would assume that the main town elder He's the one who's, like, speaking, right? And he asks them, where is my son, Thackeray? So you can assume Thackeray is the boy who was going to find his sister, got turned into a cat. Right. They taunt his father. They don't give a shit. And they're like, I don't know where the fuck your kid is. And I don't give a fuck. No, she's like, I don't know. The cat's got my tongue. And they all start laughing. And then the father's like, <laughs> fucking hang these bitches. So when they're at the gallows... There's a guy holding the spell book. He throws the book on the ground. Winifred Sanderson, Bette Midler, calls on the book to open. It does. Once the book opens, she like requests a specific spell and then the three sisters start singing. Pretty much what they're doing is chanting a spell that will ensure after a very convoluted series of events, (laughs) which include a virgin lighting a specific candle under a full moon they will be resurrected and returned to the earth. So if this is a spell you're making and you can pick how you're going to be resurrected, like, why so specific? Like, why not just like, oh, you know, when next time there's you take a, full a shit moon on I'm a Monday, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> who fucking knows? That's why it took you 300 years to come back. Literally. So they don't give a fuck about being hanged. They're kind of like, we'll be back, bitches. Just you wait. The gallows fall out from under them. They are hung. The villagers somehow think that they are rid of these women. I don't know what they do with their bodies. I don't know if they're cremated or if they're buried, like, entire, like, whole. But that's a logical breakdown for me. We're going to push past it. As we wrap up, we notice that the cat, Thackeray, right? It's the black cat. He's, like, whining, grieving. He's, like, circling the feet of the man who we understand to be his father, in a super fun turn of events, his father's like, fuck this cat, and just kicks it and then leaves. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't kill the cat. Well, the cat wouldn't have died anyway, because exactly. he would have been alive forever. So now we're double sad for Thackeray. Tri- triple sad, for being honest. The sister being a cat, now your father doesn't know that you are a cat. Now the scene wraps. The next scene that we get to is a very enthusiastic grandmotherly teacher dressed in a witch's costume. She actually looks like a fun teacher. Is telling this story to a classroom of very polite high school kids. (laughs) Nobody's peppering her with questions or interrupting. Everyone's listening intently. This is a nice town. What we learn is that everyone is 10 fingers down for Halloween. In my notes, I literally wrote the class is enthralled? Are they on drugs? Maybe. The drug is Halloween. Camera pans over. To one kid who is not enthralled, he's scribbling something down in his notebook. He's wearing a tie-dye T-shirt, and that's why you know he's different. He is from California, D- hence the tie-dye T-shirt. You're you're supposed to get that. He's definitely a skater boy. He's a rebel. See you later, boy. Why? Because he like scoffs at this story. Like this sounds like bullshit. And the teacher's like, just because you're from fucking California, you ass. Like, they didn't celebrate Halloween in California. Literally, like, it doesn't exist outside Massachusetts. It's in a different world. It's a complete different planet. So she's like, oh, you don't believe in Halloween? You Californian bitch, you absolute villain. And he answers by saying, Halloween was created by the candy companies to sell more candy. And I paused the movie at this point, and I said, okay, anti-capitalist king. Okay. We love approaching All right, Hollywood. Skeptical of corporations. Hello. This was made by Disney. What am I saying? Angry hot girl in his class says, no, it isn't. It's based on pagan rituals where the spirits of the dead can roam the earth for one night every year. And everyone in class starts applauding question (laughs) mark. She dropped the mic on them. Everyone is like really (laughs) down for what she just said. They're very supportive. Say it louder for the people in the back, sis. Damn. They're like, you tell him him and his stupid tie dye t-shirt. We learn they are in fucking Salem, Massachusetts, right? Salem witch trials. And another reason that we know that they're in the Northeast is because you look out the window of this classroom and it is the most gorgeous autumnal. It's so pretty. Oh my God. It's so beautiful. Like it is just prime Northeastern mid-October, mid-November foliage leaves. Gorgeous, beautiful. Apparently, it's not cold. I'm going to remind you they're in Massachusetts. Everybody's walking around in hoodies. Sure, just like in light sweaters. You know, it's just a warm October day. Just a warm October day in 1993, autumn. I think not. Let's look this up. (laughs) There's got to be, it's got to be on record what the weather was. (laughs) I'm going to look it up. October 31st, uh, 1993. I'm going to do Salem, Mass. Weather. So, what temperature is it? In Salem, Massachusetts, on October 31st, 1993, the high temperature that day, 48 degrees. Get the fuck out of my face. That shit is biting. (laughs) That is biting your nose. I don't care if you're from fucking Massachusetts. It's cold. Like the part where they film the opening scenes where it's the 1600s, that was shot at Pioneer Village, which is known as America's first living history museum. The village is open to the public on weekends from 12 to 4 PM through the month of October. And if you're taking a hocus pocus tour, that is a place to start. Max's house is also in Massachusetts in Salem. That's so fun. And it is a private residence. So people just show up and take pictures outside of it. I would be livid. I'd be fucking pissed. I mean, pissed. if you bought that house, you, you bought it knowing that and you probably bought it cause you're a fan. Allison's house which we see a little bit later on in the movie, which is this massive colonial, gorgeous. Mm. That house is owned by the Peabody Essex Museum and is known as Ropes Mansion. And they do tours between the end of January through October 30th. And they have a colonial revival garden behind the house where you can get some uh, gardening inspiration. Their high school is formerly known as Phillips Elementary School It's an abandoned school that was converted into Jacob Bailey High School for the filming of Hocus Pocus. Mm -hmm. It now houses apartments. I love that. I love transforming buildings into apartments, but it is visible from Salem Common Public Park. That's so fun. So you can too. So that's pretty cool. You can kind of take a hocus pocus tour of um, Salem, Massachusetts. And that's, that's pretty neat. I, I would do that. That sounds like fun. That's pretty fucking nifty. That is nifty. Fuck off. I have a friend who lives in Salem and I went to visit him a couple years ago. It's aggressively cute there. And it's not that far away from Boston. I think I was on the train for like 40 minutes or so. I was there in September, like early September. And I was like, Are you hating this? Like, is this starting to get very fucking annoying? And he was just like, it's all the fucking time. What is all the fucking time? People visiting for Halloween stuff. Ah, so it gets packed. It's a Halloween town. People just go there for Halloween shit. Back to the synopsis. Hot girl's name is Allison. The teacher says, thank you, Allison, for what? For defending my fucking honor in front of this kid from California? Like, what are we (laughs) thanking her for? She's what? It looks like this town feels very proud of this history, which is bananas for their purposes. It's very easy to take the whole of this kind of crusade against witches and just put it on three kind of genuinely evil women. And I say genuinely evil in that they're killing children. So it's not hard to make villains out of them. Whereas I know the history of quote unquote actual witches and witchcraft and shit is much less sinister than that. It's a war against women. Ah, We're uncovering a theme. At the time, obviously it's a war against women who did things differently (laughs) than the European standard women who believed in spirituality believed in sexual awakenings believed in cleanliness <laughs> you know believed in natural healing properties of plants herbs and, and plants and the brewing cauldron that's like a pot in the fireplace and you're boiling water to fucking get rosemary oil And be able to make your skin look younger and smell good. And they're natural practices, natural remedies, and they're demonized because they're not part of the European standard. And these were focused on Native Americans who you're colonizing at the time and obviously down the line demonizing people you've kidnapped from Africa to bring them here and have their own natural and spiritual practices. So we have witches, and let's burn them all. I mean, and obviously there's bad people, right? Generally. Sure, there's bad people on in Earth. in everywhere, of course. But I'm sure that it was very easy to point the finger at the weird lady that lived on her own and handled her shit than it was to investigate a bad man. And isn't it so funny because European culture at that time was really just about plague genocide and smelling like <laughs> trash it's so wild that they were like you're not doing it my way and i'm gonna fucking kill you you're weird this makes me uncomfortable when you come from a caribbean country there, there's like you might say like oh you know like i don't really believe like there's always a little part of you and this comes that you know you know shit goes down but were 200 however many people doing it in 1693 in Massachusetts? I I, no. I don't think so. No. We're going to get back into it. Okay. So this boy, this skeptic in the class, stands up bold in front of fucking everyone and gives Allison, hot girl who was angry about Halloween, a piece of paper with his fucking number on it in front of everyone. Like, were people built different in the fucking 90s could not be me okay i mean he he's from la so he's got a know. tie-dye shirt on <laughs> <That's what> people <laughs> he's got a tie-dye shirt can't on, stop so. him he you know he he's, he's got brave. a tie-dye shirt on and a healthy suspicion of corporations i mean you can't stop this kid i'm with it on the piece of paper in absolute dog shit handwriting max dennison followed by his phone number she takes the paper. All the other kids go, ooh, and then class is over. Everyone leaves. We exit the front of this high school, um, Jacob Bailey High School. I don't fucking know who Jacob Bailey is. And I'm guessing they're talking about, you know, this like Sanderson sisters lesson. What did you learn? Nothing. But they're talking about this lesson because it is Halloween that day. You can assume kind of throughout the scene where they're in class that it's fall because you can see out the window, you've got these luscious rich autumn colors and the teacher is wearing like this witch's costume, but I feel like they don't explicitly go like on Halloween, you're doing this. Like they don't really do that yet. So he walks out of school, gets on his bike again. Wow. The nineties, a different time pedals. What seems to be 17 to 30 miles home. And all of the kids that he bikes past are in Halloween costumes, especially the little ones. So now safely safe in our assumption that the day is Halloween. He pedals up next to Allison. I don't know why he's a creep. She's wearing this kind of like intense hooded red coat. It looks like a cape with a hood and it is red, very little red riding hood. Ryan called that out to me. And He introduces himself to her kind of like formally since he just did it in front of the whole fucking class. And she's pretty nice. He's new in town. He's only been there for a few weeks and he doesn't really believe in Halloween. He thinks that shit is weird. She hands him back a folded up piece of paper and walks away. And he's like, nice. I've got her fucking number. No, bitch. No, you didn't. Because she handed you back the same piece of paper with your number that you just gave her. That was so smooth. That, it was so fucking smooth. I s- respect. Like, why didn't I think of that when I was like 19 on Teens Night at the club? Fucking G shit what Allison just did. So what I wrote in my notes is he rides approximately 10 miles home on his bike. Through the town, through the woods, and then takes a weird shortcut through a fucking cemetery because he's insane. Because it's Halloween. What drives me crazy is that he cuts through a cemetery, not like through a path. You know what I mean? Like Not like, oh, there's a concrete walkway on this cemetery and I'm going to cut through it. No, 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 no. He's bobbing and weaving through fucking headstones like a madman. Disrespectful. I hate it. And you know what? When you fuck around, you find out he pedals in front of some random fucking old timey headstones. Guess what? Two what we learn are bullies pop out comically like a Jack in the box from behind (laughs) two of the heads. First of all, why are they hanging out by some tombstones at the cemetery? Why aren't they home? with their families, okay? But you know what? I don't know the bully's origin story. They are Shein brand bullies. What's that other website now? Um Oh, is it Temu? Temu. These bullies came straight out of the Temu website. They're Shein, they're Wish, they're Tamu. These bullies are as off-brand as they get it's like you take all of the worst qualities of every TV and movie bully from the 80s and 90s you pop them into these two jabronis one of them is wearing a ding dang hat the other one is blonde like a surfer but he's wearing a leather jacket and they stop him and they start messing with him you got smokes and he's like no I don't smoke I'm from California you guys I'm health conscious and they literally do make that joke oh you're new in town it's like I feel like AI wrote this dialogue you know what I mean <laughs> so <laughs> Matt's like getting Ready to leave. He's like, all right, like, I'm fucking out of here. You guys are whack. And the bigger of the two dumbass bullies stops him. This guy's name is Ice, by the way. Why do we Ernie. know his name is Ice? <laughs> well, is it Ernie or is it Ice? How do we know his new name is Ice? Because he turns around and it is shaved into the back of his head. That's the way you know. That's the new name tag in 1993. So Max is like, he goes to pedal off on his bike. Check out the new cross trainers. I take it back. This dialogue wasn't written by AI. It was written by Swedish, the Swedish people. It was written by someone who's really good at English, not American English. Oh my <laughs> cross God. trainers. Who on earth has ever said that? Okay, I'll let that be. Check out the new cross trainers. Max looks down, looks up. These bullies aren't letting him fucking go anywhere. I also want to say one thing for the record. Max is on a fucking bike. My dude, pedal away. At any point during this conversation, pedal away. Like, aren't you from a major city? Don't, you know, don't stop and talk to strangers. Just keep it moving. What are we doing? What is this, amateur hour? Don't make eye contact. No, Max is a sucker. They take his sneakers. My man pedals the rest of the way home in his socking feet. His socking feet. (laughs) His socking feet. I think it's stocking feet, but I'm going to say socking feet. The part that gets me is he walks into his house with no shoes on. And his parents are like... They just look at each other. They don't even say anything to him. They just look at each other like, "Oh, is he barefoot?" And the dad's like, "Oh, you know, must be some type of protest or something." Like, my guy, school year just started a month ago. You just bought these for back to school, and you telling me it's okay that he's just walking around without his sneakers? The way my parents would be like, "Where's my, my money?" Would have beat my ass. <laughs> they would have been like, "Where's my $100 that I spent on your damn cross trainers?" Cross trainers? <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, he gets home and I wrote this in my notes. He gets home and his parents are unpacking for the exposition. They're new in town. If you didn't know from his teacher just bringing up that he's from California from him telling a different group of people that he's from L.A. He says that his day sucks and he's so mad that they moved there. The way white kids in movies talk to their parents is something to behold. One day, I wish to not fear death as much as white kids in movies. (laughs) Because you can't tell me that I was about to say that to my mom and then stomp up the stairs and start, like, using my drum set or whatever the fuck he does. Absolutely fucking not. He goes out to his room. He has the sickest room in town. His room is like a duplex. He's got, like, this lofted attic section. It's the coolest fucking room. He's got another tie-dye poster banner That's how you know he's from California. How would you know if it wasn't for the tie dye? We see this like weird camera angle from inside the closet, like between the slats of the closet. And he lays down on his bed. He's pissed. Isn't this when he starts talking to Allison though in his imagination? (laughs) Someone help me. Okay. Imagine being alone in your room after a shitty day. And then you're thinking about this girl that you have a crush on. So you're going to say her name out loud. So you just start chanting her name out loud. Allison, Allison, if you don't shut your mouth and daydream like the rest of us. okay. what we find out as his closet door bursts open is that his little sister, like a tiny gremlin, has been hiding inside of his closet, comes out and starts fucking with him. She's wearing a precious little witch costume. It's the only outfit we see her in for the entire movie. She has one outfit and it is the witch costume. It's Halloween. She's already dressed up because she's excited. I mean, and the whole movie (laughs) takes place in a day. yeah. So she's dressed up as a precious little witch. Max is pissed. He's just over this day. He walks over to his drum set. I'm watching this with my husband, who is a drummer and has been a drummer for a long time. As Max starts playing his drum set, Ryan's like, He's not wearing earplugs. Is this room even soundproofed? It's Does he have like a blanket soundproof. inside of the kick drum? He is like saying all of this stuff of like that guy's going to wreck his ears. He's going to be deaf by the time he's 18, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. So he goes over to a drum set that is inside his room. One insane to drown out the sound of his sister asking him to take her trick or treating. Oh, she's so cute, though. How can you say no to that face? She's very cute. She's incredibly precocious. So she's like, Max, mom and dad are going to this insane fucking party for adults in town tonight. They can't take me trick-or-treating. Please take me trick-or-treating. And Max is like, no, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I'm going to tell mom. And he's like, whatever. These kinds of shots, honestly, are like some of my favorite like jump cuts where she like starts screaming mom. And in the next shot, he's walking downstairs with her because he's taking (laughs) her trick-or-treating trick-or-treating. I just love, like, immediate gratification on the consequences of that. And it's, like, direct karma from, like, all the bullshit and attitude he had towards his parents when he came in from school. He puts on maybe the dumbest outfit ever, which is just, like, a baseball cap, a bomber jacket, sunglasses, and jeans. He just looks like some guy. And he goes downstairs, and his parents are like, what's your costume? And he's like, I'm a rap singer. No! (laughs) Again with the AI, who's writing this? First of all, rappers didn't start singing till 2006 when Drake first came out. So I don't know who's singing rapping. I'm a rap singer. No. The same Swedish screenwriter that wrote Cross Trainers wrote rap singers. <laughs> so... <laughs> What is he wearing, though? Is that what rap singers wear? He looks like some guy. Worse, he looks like someone's dad and he's like 16. They go trick or treating. Max is being a little bitch the entire time. His sister is just running from house to house. Something that Paola and I talk about kind of throughout is that this town is run by children. And these kids are just unsupervised, loose kids. All over the place. They're fucking with pumpkins. They're ringing doorbells. They're jumping around lawns. They're spilling candy. Like, it is chaos in Salem on Halloween. Yeah, you don't really see any parents out. I guess all the parents decide to go to this party. This dope-ass fucking party. It must be a really safe town. Nobody's worried. Everybody's just like... (laughs) Little do they know about the incoming Hocus Pocus. They've been trick-or-treating, you can assume, for a few hours. It's starting to get dark outside. They go up to this one house. She gets her candy. And... As they're leaving this one particular house, they come across maybe like six assorted bullies from Wish, from Temu. The two bullies from earlier fucking uh, shaved into his head ice and blonde surfer guy with inexplicable leather jacket and gloves, question mark? Both of them are there. They're the ringleaders of the bullies, even though they are so fucking lame. They block the passage outside of this person's house. So the person who handed out the candy just hands out the candy and it closes their eyes. Yep. Doesn't care that they're smashing his pumpkins or his pumpkins and decorations. They're just looting. They're outside (laughs) and nobody says anything. Where are the cops for this looting? Okay. What are they protesting? Nothing. They're just being little brats. So they're blocking the passage. The person who lives inside this house is no fucking help. And Danny, she's way tougher than Max. Danny's the coolest character in this entire movie. The bullies stop Danny and they're like, give us your candy. And she's like, fuck you. She literally says, drop dead. <laughs> and they're like, give us your candy or we're going to hurt you, even though you're a child and a girl. What? No, they- Okay, and she's like, no, fuck you guys. I'm here with my big brother, and he'll defend me. Bitch, no, he won't. He just hands them his candy. Max is like, get out of my way. Like, you already took my fucking cross trainers. Like, what the fuck are you going to do to me? The night is going terribly for Max, okay? Hands them his candy to get them off his back. And now Danny's pissed because she's like, you're a weak ass bitch, Max. And I need you to know that. He like takes out all of his frustration from that day onto Danny. When in reality, except for the trick or treating, none of it is her fault. He's like, I never wanted to move here. This place sucks. You're such a little brat. She runs away from him. Now she's upset. She's crying. Let's not forget. She is eight years old. She flops down onto like some hay bale. That's part of a Halloween decoration in front of someone else's house. Now Max feels guilty as he should and he walks up to her and he's like, "Hey, I'm sorry. I'm just having really hard time here. I hate that our parents made us move here. I just want to go home." And Danny to her credit is like, "Bitch, this is home. Get the fuck over it. Get with it or get lost." He can't get lost. He's got to get with it. They reconcile. She gives him a hug. If anything, she doesn't give him a hard enough time, if you ask me. She's a cute little sister. She's forgiving. She's like, all right, let's 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 continue my trick-or-treating now. Let's get me some more candy, you fuck. As they're getting ready to like get up and continue trick-or-treating, Max is like, I can't let you trick-or-treat out here alone. And she says, all the crazy people are out. It's a full moon. This is maybe the second or third time we have been reminded that it is a full moon in addition to being Halloween. Dun, dun, dun. Shit's about to go down. So in the next scene, they walk up to this gorgeous colonial home, just incredible home. Max does a little whistle and he's like, woof, look at this house. And Danny goes, rich people. She knows what the fuck is up. This is probably one of those houses where you could bob for apples and they give you a hot cider or something like that. <laughs> where, how many centuries have you been alive? Danny's a vampire. She She knows too much. Bala has pulled up a little bit of information about this home. It's called the Ropes Mansion. Is that right? It's called the Ropes House. It's a true home. It's there in real life. You can actually tour it. I think they have it as a museum now. This is like 18th century, done in like early Georgian or Federalist, I guess, because this is after early America, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something that I found interesting is that it was passed down to three generations of ropes, families. The last generation who inherited it was three sisters. Ooh. And they're the ones that converted it into a museum, into what we see to this day. And their names were Winifred, Mary and Sarah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's super cool information about the house. They walk in. This gorgeous hallway leads them to this incredible, like, front room that's under this central staircase. There's full-size candy bars. Bitch, where? They look up to the landing above the stairs. Guess who's there, bitches? It's Allison. This is Allison's fucking house. She's wearing this incredible Polonaise gown. This is like a 18th century, 1760s, 1770s gown that was popularized. I believe it was by the French royal court. It's a full French revolution party. No, this party is insane. I would love to go to this party. As I'm watching this with Ryan, he goes, what in the eyes wide shut is fucking (laughs) happening here? Like everybody's in full costume. These costumes cost hundreds of dollars. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Allison's not allowed to grow. Okay. She's got to save that costume for the next three years. Max is like, what's going on here and she goes oh it's this party that like my parents and their friends have every year <laughs> what <laughs> who are you fucking weirdo to repeat what danny said rich people literally have in my notes danny's the smartest person in this entire movie max starts talking to allison and danny has fully caught on to the fact that allison is the girl that max has a crush on right And she makes this one really weird comment. I feel like I would be remiss not to mention it. Where she's like, Max really likes your, what do you call them? Yabos? (laughs) 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 And it is so cringe. I fucking hate it. First of all, who calls them that? Second of all, why does she know that he talks about them? If I was Allison, I would be like, okay, night's over, everybody. I'll see you guys later. She doesn't even acknowledge it. She kind of just laughs, I guess. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, what are you guys doing? We're going to just breeze past that. Like, Max is like, oh, yeah, I don't believe in any of this, you know, fucking Halloween shit. You guys in Salem are fucking weird. And Danny's like, well, we learned about, you know, like the Sanderson sisters and like the Salem witches and stuff at school. Like, it was really cool. Allison's like, oh, yeah, like my parents are really into that stuff. My mom used to run the Sanderson sister house museum. But it's closed now because too many spooky, weird things kept happening there. And Max is an idiot. So he's like, I should impress this girl by not being scared? Question mark. Boys are bizarre. And he's like, let's go. Show me the Sanderson house. Make a believer out of me. I'm pretty sure he says that. Oh, bitch, be careful what you wish for. Allison's like, okay, let me go change out of this incredibly cumbersome gown. And put on regular person clothes and grab the key to the museum. My mom still has it. Allison comes back down. She's dressed in normal clothes. Max is pretty much dressed in normal clothes. His costume's not real. Danny's dressed as an adorable, yet understated and elegant little witch. They walk out of Allison's house. They go down to the Sanderson home. This is the first time we're seeing the Sanderson home in the modern context, right? Because we saw it at the start of the movie when we were, you know, witnessing the end of the Sanderson sisters. It is the same Tudor-style house from before. I know Allison mentioned, like, needing to get a key, but they seem to just walk inside. There seem to be very few safeguards in place so that people avoid coming into this fucking house. It's super dusty and cobwebby. Honestly, immediately, I would have left. That's my fire alarm system. All of the spooky shit is still there. Basically exactly where they fucking left it. What kind of fucking Well, they set it up this? kind of as displays, right? Like they put the book inside like a glass, like a glass display. The book is inside a glass display and nothing else. They have like a gift shop. <laughs> On the side of one of the old displays of this gift shop is just like a, you know, small like wall of lighters. Max grabs a lighter and is using it to like look around this incredibly dark, dusty house. Allison is reading one of the placards that's right next to the display that holds the spell book bound in human skin gross and given to Winifred Sanderson by the devil himself. There's another placard next to the black flame candle, the black flame candle that is uncovered by glass. They were just fucking asking for someone to light it. Anyway, the placard says, this is the black flame candle. If it's lit on a full moon, it will raise spirits from the dead. And Max is like, I'm dumb and I'm a teenager and I'd really like to impress this girl. Does the placard though? I don't remember if the placard specifies virgin. Yes, I think it does. (laughs) He's like, oh, I fit the bill. It's like if a virgin lights the candle, Max, you fucking idiot. If you don't turn around to go home, he makes to light the candle, flicks the lighter, goes to light the candle. Both Allison and Danny are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't fucking do that. Stop. Let's just go home. Let's just turn around and go home. I'm done trick or treating. The night is over. And that's when Max says those famous words. It's all a bunch of hocus pocus. Oh, yeah, bitch. Okay. Okay. But the cat comes and tries to stop him, though. He jumps on him. The cat is basically like hiding on a shelf right next to the black flame candle. As Max goes to light it, the cat jumps onto his shoulder tries to kind of like knock the lighter out of his hand max shakes him off and basically just like tosses him into a different side of the room turns back towards the girls and he's like all right i'm still gonna do this what the cat just did isn't an omen enough and at this point the girls want to go they're like don't do it let's just get out of here and now he's like oh now it's a dare now i have to now i have to prove i'm not afraid okay bitch the black flame candle is just this big ass candle That's just out in the middle of the house. It doesn't have a case. It's not enclosed. They have it on display. And apparently it's made by the uh, fat of men that have been hung. Ah, I hate knowing that. That was actually a thing. Much prefer soy wax. (laughs) So this fucking dumbass lights this fucking candle. He says, it's all a bunch of hocus pocus. I literally marked the minute and the second. Minute 29, second 34. The flame turns black, you know, flames, computer graphics, a cutting edge. And all of them are like, oh, shit, because he's a virgin. The full moon is full. They just got finished reading the thing. He's like, oh, let's tempt fate. Him and his tie dye shirt and middle part. He doesn't give a fuck. The whole house starts shaking like there's a fucking earthquake. The floorboards start lifting up and down. There's this, like, comical neon green light coming from underneath the house that looks fake. All of the light bulbs burst. There's breeze. Wind is in there. They all, like, hit the deck. They're on the ground. They're freaking out. Lo and behold, it's like all of the candles kind of simultaneously light. Fire lights up, maybe, in the, in the fireplace. And we hear the laugh of Winifred Sanderson. The bad bitch in charge. The front door swings open and all of the kids hide. So this is Max, Allison, little Danny. The three Sanderson sisters in the flesh walk into their home from the outside. What? Why are they outside? Couldn't they materialize anywhere? During this scene, like, the floorboards are shaking. I'm thinking they're going to come from, like, under the house the first time I'm watching this movie. And then the door opens. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Is it, like, a vampire? Do they need to be invited in? Like, what's <laughs> happening? So the sister, who has the power to sniff out children, is played by Kathy Najimi. She's, like, the super weird sister with the sideways face. As soon as they walk into the house, Kathy Najimi's like there's a child in here the witches sniff out the child and creep all over her and they're like she's so well fed i want to be <laughs> her friend i want to play with her it's like ooh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies she tells them that it was her that brought them back she tries to act tough because i guess she thinks if i pretend that i'm their friend they're not going to try to kill me smart smart, smart kid, kid. She's like, I've thus brought you forth thee. Like she like (laughs) says a bunch of like old timey language. It's so funny. They ask her what year it is. She says it's 1993. 300 years, sisters. In my notes, I have the witches want to eat her immediately. Mary is like sniffing her clothes (laughs) and like licking her little veil thing. (laughs) I know. Wow. They played the characters too well. Creepy, creepy. Max shows up the same way the brother showed up previously to try and save his sister. Sarah Jessica Parker wants to fuck Max. It's a boy. Oh, it's so icky. It's so, so fucking icky. She's basically like, can I play with him? And it's like, ah, go leave. You're so old. Max kind of fights with them a little bit. Winifred uses her like lightning finger power that she could have used many other times and should have used. Weakens him significantly. They stop paying attention to him. They start messing with his sister and he climbs up kind of onto the same landing where at the beginning of the movie, we saw Thackeray observe the witches except now because it is 1993, the house is equipped with a sprinkler system. Max pretends that he is an all powerful wizard, takes his stupid fucking lighter, the same one he used to light that damn candle, holds it up to the sprinkler And he lies to the witches and says that they're going to die in the burning rain of death. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have the advantage of technology (laughs) and that (laughs) these witches have no idea. It looks like sorcery. Like if you came back from the 1600s and there's sprinkler systems and there's roads and you're like, what is what world have I been transported to? Modern conveniences are stranger than magic somehow the rain, like the rain. What am I, Hillary Duff? Let the rain. No. So <laughs> the-, the sprinklers start pouring water down on this wooden building filled with paper. And the witches start freaking out. The witches clearly don't burn to death, they're just being showered with water. Okay. <laughs> they are left in their home. They realize that they've been tricked. And they go to leave the house and follow the fucking kids so they can eat a little child. They leave the house and they come across a paved road. And they're like, it's a black river. Is the water deep? (laughs) It's not terribly consistent with like things that the witches understand and things that they don't. And it doesn't have to be. Duh. Because it's a fucking kids movie about witches that aren't real. Because I have a feeling... If you were from the 1690s and you just showed up in the 1990s, you're probably going to stroke out and die immediately. You're going to take one look at a TV in a store window and you're going to fucking die You'd be really confused. Meanwhile, the witches, they acclimate quickly. They're into this shit. There's electricity. There's light outside. There's paved roads that are not black rivers. So, of course, fucking Winifred pushes Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker, onto this fucking road because she's a bitch. And she's like, see if the water's deep. It's a paved road. She lands on her feet and she is hype. They're fucking celebrating that it's a damn road. The sprinkler system in the old Sanderson house has triggered a call to the fire department as you do. And the fire department has shown up to go into the house and see if there's a fire. The lights and the sirens are going off and the Sanderson sisters fucking freak out and run in the opposite direction. They have no fucking idea what's going on. What's a light? What's a siren? They hide from the firemen. You know, these like burly new England men make their way into the house, turn the sprinkler system off. Did you say burly? They're burly. They're like, God damn it. These fucking kids are pranking for Halloween again. So annoying. Sarah Jessica Parker, unrelentingly horny. I mean, this woman does not quit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, for the firefighters, I'm with you. Sure. I'm team burly firefighters. We're not team 16 year old boys. The firefighters leave. Now they're like, okay, it's time to go find these fucking kids. At this point, these are two events kind of happening simultaneously, right? Max, he uses this fiery reign of death as a distraction. He grabs the spell book because Binks, the cat, he says, grab the spell book. It'll make them too powerful. Also, the cat can fucking talk. What's up, Binks? The cat leads the kids to the cemetery. He says, the witches cannot walk here. It is hallowed ground. If a cat talks to you, you listen. (laughs) That's the moral of this story. <laughs> you better follow that fucking cat. Cats are smart when they don't even talk. So imagine when they do. Weird sister, Kathy Najimi, whose name I forget. I think her name is Mary. Mary. Has like a nose to sniff out kids. You know, because she's a fucking freak of nature. And she... Mary's my favorite witch. She's like, and deep down inside, she's actually nice. She doesn't want to do these bad things. Maybe she just n- sniffs kids. <laughs> no it's all terrible i hate all of them i can't winifred sanderson is like the mastermind because the other two are amoral like animals they just want to do the stuff they want to do and they don't think about it too much winifred knows it's wrong but she's a psychopath she doesn't fucking care that's why she's the bad bitch with the teeth well she just cares about being young forever well yeah she's vain but she knows that it means killing all these kids so she's a psychopath they can eat other things how do you know that maybe it's not like twilight not everything is Twilight, Bauna. Well, they're not vampires. <laughs> they're only hunting children for youth. It's the only way they stay young. This is the only reason they're hunting children, so that they can stay young and live longer to continue to do their fucking fucked up shit. It doesn't have to even be the whole town. Paola, <laughs> but what if we discuss it as a commentary on the unrealistic expectations society puts on women to maintain their beauty? yeah i'm sure that's what they were thinking about <laughs> i'm sure that's what these witches were fucking thinking about <laughs> the witches were like i don't have enough money for botox but what i can do is kidnap some children jessica parker's horny ass needs to stay young so she can keep attracting young men that's so, true for her fucking now we're gonna go back over to the cemetery with the kids with black cat Banks and thackeray factory Banks tells his origin story which coincidentally luckily incredibly the kids have just learned at fucking school because their curriculum is only about halloween and he talks about how he's been hanging around this house for 300 years trying to keep virgins from lighting the black flame candle under a full moon on all hallows eve No, I don't think he's trying to keep them from doing it. He wants this to happen so that he can be free because he knows that there's this like legend and lore. The cat knows this. Jesus. And he's trying to keep people from awakening the witches because he knows that she would kill all the kids in town. But also, he also wants to be able to die so he can meet his family back in heaven. Yeah, this movie really loves the premise. That your spirit remains alive in heaven. It's either your spirit remains alive in hell and then comes back when they light a candle or your spirit goes on, floats to heaven where you're rejoined with the rest of your loved ones peacefully <laughs> <exist>. <laughs> Can you tell that we're two agnostic people? Because this is an incredibly Christian-coded movie. It's about witches. It's about witches in the 90s in the United States of America. The whole theory behind witches and demonizing witchcraft and the term itself witchcraft all comes from christianity and obviously there's a lot of things here that christianity like disagrees with and stuff so i'm not trying to say that it's like follows the bible but like it bases the foundation of spirits and witches and stuff in like christian beliefs so now that they're in the cemetery Max tries to burn the book after hearing about all of this from Thackeray Banks, but the book is protected by magic. Max is a full dumbass again. I actually added in a note as I was watching the movie because Paola and I were talking about this previously and I was like, Why the fuck don't they just burn the book? Like, just do something to the book. Ruin the book so that they can't fucking use it. But the book is protected by magic. So I'm like, okay, that closes this plot hole of why they couldn't destroy the fucking book. Yeah, once you watch the movie and pay attention, (laughs) (laughs) you realize Um, that you can't burn the book. (laughs) So now the Sanderson sisters have flown to the cemetery on brooms so that they can take the book. Sarah... Hits on the teenage boy again. Her pedo ass. The brave little virgin who lit the candle. I will be thy friend. As she's like drooling over. 16 year old Max Denison. And listen, he's a cutie. I had a crush on Max Denison when I was little watching this movie. When we were children. Correct. When I too was under 16. Now that they're flying over the cemetery they're kind of attacking them, right? Like they can't set foot on the cemetery because it is hallowed ground, but they can fly over the top and taunt them. Winifred ends up chanting a spell that she knows by memory to bring back her ex lover. P.S. She killed this ex lover for cheating on her with horny ass Sarah Jessica Parker. She cast this spell to bring him back to life and help her trap the children. According to Thackeray Banks, she sewed his mouth shut with a dull needle that detail makes it so much worse then the ground starts quaking he like comes up from definitely not six feet and they actually make a joke about that later on in the movie (laughs) like that doesn't look like six feet he gets up and sees his tombstone and is disappointed he's like god damn it like why am i back here on earth He doesn't seem to be a huge fan of Winifred, even though she's, like, beckoning him to help them trap the kids. At this point, his head gets knocked off. My man is undead as hell. He has to go find his head. He has to put it back on his body. You mean unalive? Unalive. (laughs) He he is unalive as hell. (laughs) Now, Thackeray Binks has led the kids away from the cemetery and has taken them down to this, like, underground sewer system. And they're asking, like, is this safe? And Thackeray's like, oh, yeah, I hunt rats down here all the time. And they're like, yeah, that's not the thing that's going to make me feel better right now as I run through these underground tunnels. So the sisters are upset that the kids have gotten away with the spell book. They still have it with them. Mary suggests forming a calming circle. You know, I'm a fan of Mary for this <laughs> fun part. Like, guys, let's just regroup. Let's, let's all come take a deep together. breath. Let's do a breathing exercise. We love a mindfulness queen. We love a meditative moment, okay? We want to get our minds together. When I was thinking on the plot of this movie prior to rewatching it, I remember thinking that this was way, way later on. But right after this scene, the three witches are just on the street, I guess. And they happen to be in a bus stop. A bus pulls up. If you are from 1693, bitch, a bus may as well be a fucking spacecraft. What the hell's that? (laughs) They've never seen a bus before, but the door opens. The driver leans out. This driver is fucking lecherous. He is the Sarah Jessica Parker, okay? They ask the bus driver... What the fuck is this? But he sees them being like all kind of dressed up and like hokey. They're in character. These are Halloween spooky bitches. I'm going to be a Halloween spooky bitch with them. Everyone in Salem just fucks so much with Halloween that they just go along with the wildest, kookiest shit, as we will learn in this movie. He says it's a bus to convey gorgeous creatures to their most forbidden desires. Oh, Disney girl. Like, the standards have changed (laughs) since the early 90s. Sarah proceeds to sit on his lap and drive around the bus. This part is horrible. They say, we desire children. And he goes, it might take a few tries, but I can help you. (laughs) What a time. What a time. So now the kids crawl out of the manhole. They have found, through these underground tunnels, an outlet to the street mind you like the zombies like still following them and stuff the bus immediately drives over squishes that's the scientific word squishes thackeray banks the black cat immediately danny like starts crying oh my god thackeray's dead and allison's like wait but he's not supposed to be able to die and as soon as she says that his body inflates like a little balloon he gets up shakes it off and goes i hate when that happens so I guess that is kind of a confirmation for both our trio of characters and the viewer that Thackeray really is magic. He really is impossible to kill. Oh yeah. Cause the talking didn't, didn't no, the talking. Him. It wasn't magic enough. You know what I mean? Now we know it's confirmed for us. We flash back to the bus where Mary and Winifred are, I don't know, wreaking havoc on the passengers of this bus. Sarah Jessica Parker is on the driver's lap. Who knows what she feels on there. They get the bus driver to halt the bus, Because Mary has smelled children. They're in the middle of the suburbs, by the way. And you know what we love? We love a robust public transportation system. They get let off the bus. Sarah Jessica Parker probably transitions between three different wigs during the course of this movie because Sarah Jessica Parker's hair is like naturally like loose curls. Like if you've ever seen Sex in the City, they use her natural hair texture a lot. It's very, very pretty. Because she's playing this very witchy character, they like bleached out all of her hair so she's got this like kind of shock of white blonde wavy hair at the beginning of the movie i don't know in which order this movie was filmed i would say almost 100 percent of the time movies are not filmed chronologically they're just filmed kind of like however they're able to procure the locations however they're able to schedule the actors and write out contracts and things like that so at the beginning of the movie for the opening few scenes where it's based in 1693 she's got this like kind of like loose curly loose wavy white blonde like bleached hair that looks like it's coming from her root then after they come back from the dead this bitch is wearing like two different wigs depending on the scene well maybe it's also meant to make her look disheveled a little bit like but then you her know, hair is straight then it is straight it is it's like wavy it's like wavy frizzy it drives me crazy because you can tell she's trying to limit how much she's moving her head that wig was not laid down by a professional. Okay. <laughs> These days, oh, we have way better wig technology. But she her her and her spirit Halloween wig are walking around leaving this bus they're in the middle of the suburbs. Why has Mary smelled children? Because all these bitches are trick-or-treating. The kids are out here in costumes of all shapes and sizes. I do think it's hilarious that sh- they don't realize they're <laughs> in amongst hundreds of kids in costumes. They just think it's like actual wizards and angels and walking demons. around. Like when the little girl with the little angel outfit comes and it's like, bless you. And they like, <laughs> it's like, it scares them, they I like, guess. Screams. <laughs> i thought that was adorable yeah it's super funny that they cannot tell that these little kids in like tiny outfits are fucking kids they're just three feet tall but they're not kids so <laughs> they see a man outside of his home dressed as the devil and they go oh my God. Oh, master this like again oh an- another God. lecherous pervy old man okay master Winifred is like the most excited because apparently she's the one who like had direct contact with the devil back in the 1600s sold her soul truly he's dressed up as an incredibly unconvincing devil okay but I'll let them have this so like so you mean the devil they're familiar with has like glitter (laughs) and like he's wearing like a tight red (laughs) t-shirt (laughs) <laughs> and has little horns, like, right at the top of his head. Like, <laughs> this p- is this is your man. This is your man. <laughs> I stand by him. Like, the plot holes are <laughs> plot holing, okay? So, apparently, the devil in the 1600s loved, like, a trident and plastic horns. He invites them into his house. Again, what the deep fuck? Why the fuck would you just go into a random man's house? Why is he inviting them into his house? The Eddie, whatever. I don't know. I mean, you know. The 90s were know, different they're, time. They're in the deep suburbs. <laughs> they're like Everyone, everyone here knows white. each other. Right. They're like, like, Where's the danger? You know, I, I have no. Just like with Allison's party where you, they just walk into the party and you can have apple cider. I mean, it's it must have been a great time. Wow. It must have felt real safe. Real safe to fucking be alive back then. Anyway, but again, I will reiterate, only safe for white people. So he invites them inside. Not one person of color throughout this whole movie, by the way. Good luck finding them. It is like, take a shot if you see a person of color and you're ending the movie Stone Cold Sober. Okay? There's like one kid like blurred out in the background. Just the one in the high school. So the wish off-brand devil invites them inside they happily follow and now we cut to simultaneously the kids are on the street running they're they're like dirty because they've been in the sewer they're kind of desperate they try to get help from who they think is a police officer they tell him the entire story which sounds fantastical even to the viewer and you ostensibly just watched it happen they're like he lit the candle. He's a virgin. The officer needs to confirm like three times that Max Dennison is a virgin. Why is it so... Why is he so pressed So that much. this kid... Like, he literally stops him and is like, is it true? Are you a virgin? Really? And it's like, like I don't understand the emphasis on this mm-hmm. part in the movie. Like, I don't understand how it helps the movie to emphasize that this grown adult is questioning him on his sex life maybe it's supposed to be like funny for like you know when you have these like family movies you have here's like the lines for the, for the parents. parents here's a joke for the parents like i don't i don't get that here it's just cringy yeah it, it's cringe and he's like yeah i'm a virgin god shut up first of all after the third degree about his virginity the cop is like anyway get the fuck out of here Like y'all are being crazy and you're lying. The kids run away. They're super frustrated and disappointed. Turns out this bitch wasn't even a fucking cop. He was a guy in a very convincing costume waiting for his partner so that they could go to the crazy, awesome adult party in town. We cut back over to where the witches are inside, quote unquote, the devil's house. The most average suburban home on earth. His wife is sitting on the couch in fucking curlers, indoor smoking. A famous inside cigarette watching the news. The 90s were a time. What a time. It wasn't just the 90s. Pre- Pre-2000s? Pre-2000s were a time. This was just a thing. Wow, what a I fun. grew up in a smoking household. Well, we both did. it was did. just a thing everyone did. Did we both? Were you there? <laughs> I was going to say, you say I grew up like we grew up separately. So, yeah, we did grow up in a smoking household and wow, inside cigarettes. I really forgot about those. I'm not going to lie to you. So have you ever been a child craving a cigarette without having ever smoked a cigarette? Hmm. I'm so glad I came at like the tail end of that time. Like that was all leaving by the time I was like seven or eight it was all going away but we used to sit in restaurants and cafes where people just blew smoke in your teeny tiny little kid face like they're daring you you want clean air fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah being a 90s kid was crazy as we will find more evidence of in this fucking movie So the wife is sitting in front of the TV, smoking, hairs and curlers. She's pissed that her husband has invited these three weird fucking women dressed as the Sanderson sisters into their home. She looks over at them and goes, aren't you broads a little young to be trick or treating? And the three witches, the sisters, they think that the quote unquote the devil's wife is Medusa because she has her hair in like the hair rods, like the rod curlers. I mean, she is looking pretty rough. She looks brutal. It's all those inside cigarettes. She's actually only 30. What are the rods doing? Are they curling her? Like, I don't... I think they curl. I think the rods curl. Yeah, they don't look very good. Mary discovers the TV. Sarah asks the devil to dance. The wife is like, get the fuck away from my weird-ass husband who invited you in. Scram out of my house. The Sanderson sisters go back outside. And I think Winifred gets really impatient and pulls off a little boy's mask and realizes that they are all children. They just all dressed up. I'm not doing like very intense or very good research on this, but I am almost positive that's one of the reasons that people do dress up for Halloween. It is to ward off like evil spirits. Like you're supposed to keep evil spirits from like catching up to you or finding you. Like you're supposed to be confusing them. This reminds me of a story. My mom used to tell us when we were growing up, it's not Halloween based, just old timey lore where death is out on the streets looking for this one man that he has been tasked with killing and like taking to the afterlife. The devil didn't have an iPhone. He couldn't Google this guy, so he doesn't know what he looks like. And so he's asking people in the neighborhood, hey, I have to pick up this one guy. Do you guys know where he is? One of the guy's friends finds him and goes, hey, dude, death is looking for you. Like, I think you're going to die. You know, get the hell out of town because, for whatever reason, in this alternate universe, death is not omnipotent. He's not going to be able to find you. So, the guy's like, shit, I got to change the way that I look. I got to do something. And so, he decides to shave his head because he's got like a bunch of hair, tries to like disguise himself so that death doesn't find him. Death spends all day looking for this guy that he's supposed to kill, rather, supposed to take to the afterlife. And he's like, damn, I'm not going to find this guy. Well, I can't go back empty handed. All right, I guess I'm just going to take this bald guy. The bald guy being the original guy. And the point of that silly little piece of lore was that sometimes things are fated. You can't cheat that, And you can't cheat death and you can't cheat fate. That always reminds me of like the Halloween stuff of like, I'm avoiding the evil spirits by disguising myself. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe they'll be like, like, nah, they're going to find you. Right. It's like, maybe I should grab this little angel that told me to, to be blessed or whatever. So they figure out that the kids are dressed up. All Hallows Eve has become a night of frolic where children wear costumes and run amok and they're but and they're trying to strategize, make up a game plan. How the fuck are they gonna eat some children? You know what I mean? Okay. We cut over to the trio that we are following, Max, Allison, Danny. As they arrive to the central assembly hall in town, where all of the adults have been invited to a raging Halloween party that's held by, like, the mayor or held by, like, the city council or some shit like that. This party looks fucking phenomenal. Better than any high school dance. Better than the prom. There's, like, a skeleton on stage. The money that these people have spent on costumes, they've spent hundreds of dollars. Even in 1993 money. Even in today money, like mm. these people are spending bills on these costumes because they look so damn good. There's a live band on stage. I'm like, girl, this party is swinging. The lead singer of the live band is wearing like a very solid skeleton costume. He is crooning. He is singing the hits. The parents are all dancing. He's singing witchcraft. He's singing witchcraft. Dracula who calls himself Dadkula, pulls up behind oh Max, grabs Allison's hand and starts to kiss it and asks, who is this charming young blood donor? In a very bad Transylvania oh accent. Gosh. His dad comes off a little less creepy because you can tell that his dad, the whole point is that it's just supposed to be kind of like dad humor. Like a dad joke, but let me grab this teenager's hand and start to kiss it with my mouth. Nope. get the fuck out of my face again (laughs) and i will say something that did frustrate me upon rewatch is that max's dad is kind of hot i'm at that age (laughs) no i'm at that age and i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) at the age where the dad could get it too? oh shit i'm like oh max is a little baby his dad though if that marriage ends If anybody's ever watched like Modern Family, he has very like Phil Dunphy energy from Modern Family. That's how I would describe Max's dad. Danny finds their mom, who is dressed as Madonna with a triangle bra. She's like, Mom. She's like, Mom, what the fuck? what are you doing? And the mom is like, I'm Madonna. Like, she's like a little self-conscious about her outfit. The mom is also hot. I mean, in the way that like, you know, generic young parents from the 90s would be hot. (laughs) So the mom is wearing this like red cone striped bra right she's she's madonna she she's like a little self-conscious about her outfit which is very funny because danny is eight years old and clearly does not fucking understand how her mom is dressed the sanderson sisters have been tracking the kids right first of all they've still got the book and they've got the smell mary is on the scent of these three fucking kids so they show up to the party looking for the kids mind you again this place is jam-packed baby and the implication is everyone's fucking parents are at this party because again it's the 90s who needs a caretaker at home not me kids trick-or-treating parents getting drunk this is the time the kids are fucking wreaking havoc on this fucking town. The wish brand bullies are out here stealing candy, bullying throwing kids, toilet paper. throwing toilet paper, eating everyone's full size chocolate bars. I'm like, first of all, y'all had full size chocolate bars. Let's discuss because uh that's that's also not cheap, baby. What are we doing? Where are we? Fucking Salem? Is this what you do? Anyway, the kids spot the Sanderson sisters at this party. And start to immediately freak out, like start to panic. And the parents are like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like, because they don't really understand what's going on. They don't believe that anything's wrong. They think that they're all like on a sugar high. Yeah, to be fair, <laughs> as a parent, like my kid <laughs> comes up to me and starts spewing all this big. I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, Why don't you tell me about it later let's, when we're home? Let's go take a nap. I would 100% just be like, child, what's wrong with you? And just... Yeah, honey, disregard honey, everything they're saying, baby. honey. No no judgment on the parents. I think they dealt with it as any generic parent would and Max jumps up onto the stage and he takes the mic away from Skeleton Singer and he's like, everyone, I need to fucking tell you these Sanderson sister bitches have come back from the dead. They're here tonight. You got to stop them. We need help. They're going to eat your fucking kids. And all the parents are like, oh, my God, the production quality of this performance is fucking incredible. Like, thank you, Town of Salem. Amazing. 300 years of the Sanderson sisters. And nobody's paying attention. Everyone starts laughing. They're like, oh, my God, their costumes are so good. And Max is, like, getting really frustrated. Skeleton lead singer is, like, nice. This is super interesting. Thanks a lot, kid. Shoves him off stage. Like, get the fuck away from me. Because it's bet fucking Midler, how could you not have her sing in a movie? She's a legend. So she kind of, like, intuits, oh, these people want merriment, music, dancing, she starts singing a song like the dramatic theatrical little bit she is. And she starts performing. I put a spell on you. Fabulous. This is an incredible version of this song. I love it. It's so good. And as she is singing the song, like, literally through the lyrics of the song she's singing, puts a spell on the entire party to keep them dancing forever. This part, I thought, was, like, really sinister. I was watching it with Ryan, and I I know this is a Disney movie. I know they've already done and said a bunch of inappropriate shit that feels like it wouldn't land in a Disney movie today. But she's like dance dance till you die and it's like very dark it like feels so like ooh and everyone's loving awesome. it yeah and like all the parents are just like nice fuck yeah can't wait to dance forever and, to like, <laughs> and she's just like she's condemning the entire town to death and you're kind of thinking like is this to get the kids, or is this to get like revenge on this town that like sent her and her sisters to their death? Like, like how many layers does this uh, have? Because it's just so sinister. I mean, I just think they're evil. I just think they're evil and doing shit to be evil, and obviously to help them in their end game. Hold on, though. So their performance—this is a bop, and and they're killing it. They're the fucking backup singing. It and then they end it with like a mashup melody of it's a beautiful <laughs> life. Uh, uh. <laughs> I love I love this rendition of it's fucking, honestly, It's like really great. They really crush it. And of course, it's one of my favorite like movie tropes, especially like in a musical or even when a movie's not primarily a musical but they have a scene where someone decides to sing a song is when they just approach any musician and go come on let's play along Like they know the key they know the tempo like no one they're never any growing pains you know what i mean the backing track they've been practicing that at home for months like get the fuck out of my face they're they've been like, waiting oh for God, this finally day. someone is playing this very specific version of i put a spell on you amazing what a coincidence they finish up their song. They have cursed everyone, all the adults, right? To dance forever. And we see that the zombie has entered the party. Zombie, zombie, former lover. His name is Billy Butcherson. So zombie Billy that Winifred has summoned from the dead has entered this party looking for the kids. They start fucking freaking out, but his costume looks quote unquote costume looks amazing. He's the most well-preserved 300 year old corpse I've ever seen in my life. And The parents are like, oh my God, your costume is so good. They think it's a mommy costume. The kids panic. They run out of the party. They're like catching their breath in the alley. They're freaking out. They feel super hopeless. And Allison, the only smart teenage girl ever, maybe, but definitely in this entire movie, gets the idea to lure the witches to the high school because as they're outside catching their breath, she notices that they're next to like a discarded oven. And she looks at the oven. She thinks and gets a little bright light bulb idea right on top of her pretty little head. They lure the witches to the high school. Also, why does this high Girl, school have an incinerator? The, the high school has a kiln for firing ceramics. A kiln for... Oh, they're doing ceramics at the high school. Oh, they, they have, have really This high school, That's my nice. dude, whenever I see movies... Of 90s high schools, or even like if I watch a John Hughes movie, like an 80s Midwestern high school, because the majority of his movies are based like in in and outside of Chicago, and they're always white kids. Anytime I see these, I'm like, where the fuck is this high school? Where the fuck is that place? That's not where I went. My high school barely had a gym. No, I'm I'm messing with y'all. It had a gym. It wasn't a nice one. They invested in their gym. I'm always shocked to see, like, where were the resources? Can we discuss the policy choices that led to us not having ceramics in high school anymore? Anyway, so, <laughs> so I'm sure there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of interest in, uh, in northern New Jersey for ceramics. You never fucking know, dude. They used to have shop class. They used to have mandatory home we did ec. They used to have a shop class. Where we it wasn't an elective. We had home ec <laughs> in middle I school. I didn't fucking have home ec in middle yes. school. And that was only five years apart. We had an economics class in middle Bitch, school. Bitch, now you want to make me mad? Uh, you mean I had to learn all this shit at home? It's fucked up. <laughs> no, I had to teach it to you. <laughs> That's fair. Paola <laughs> <I> w- <laughs> <laughs> was my home ec teacher. Um, yeah, so anyway, rather than talk about the dissolution of uh, adequate funding for public school education, We're going to go ahead and talk about how awesome this fucking high school was. And also, none of the doors were locked. I feel like they used to lock up the high school at night with, like, chains. I'm joking. I'm also being dramatic again. But they absolutely used to lock all the doors to our high school after the school day was over. Yeah. I don't know how the hell they broke into the school. They just opened the fucking door. (laughs) They just fucking opened the door. Literally, what? Like, is the janitor taking a nap? Like, anyway... The witches see Thackeray Banks, the cat, and they follow him because they know that the cat knows where the spell book is. That is ultimately what they're trying to get. They would love to fuck with these kids as a matter of revenge, but they, above all, need to get the spell book so that they can create their potions, right, for eating some delicious little kids. He's luring them. It's on purpose, right? So they follow him into the kiln area, the ceramics oven, where they are ultimately trapped the kids lock the door from the outside, fire up the fucking kiln, which doesn't set off any alarms, is very easy to do, and you don't need a special key or anything to do it. Burn the witches up. You know, witches who are magic and came back from the dead after 300 years? I'm positive fire will kill them. Because I'm a fucking idiot. It worked in the Salem Witch trials. <laughs> i'm so upset i love how they're like the spellbook's protected by magic and it can't be burned and they go but you don't know and who I the bet can be the witches i bet those witches, magic come from this spellbook. i bet those witches could burn no you dumb idiots they burn we see the green smoke and the movie's over and the movie's done and you know what what a nice 45 minute long movie <laughs> just kidding the kids get too hype celebrate go home they celebrate by going to sleep which i mean you know what that's how i celebrate they celebrate they go home because at this point it's like quite late at night i think it's like two in the morning or three in the morning or something they arrive home their parents are still out and for some reason they don't think that's fucking weird they don't remember the fact that winifred sanderson cursed their parents to dance forever at the most amazing halloween party anyone's ever they weren't there they were running out i guess that's true they all lay down in their outside clothes after running in the sewer and they fall Gross. asleep nobody cares nobody fucking in these movies. cares my dude if you listen to our episode on you've got mail you know how i feel about outside clothes and shoes in your bed no no i no i do not have to accept it this is the real horror movie <laughs> Thank you. The germs, the (laughs) disease, that's the horror movie, baby. The infections waiting for you, tetanus, you better have your shots. Okay. So (laughs) they decide to keep Thackeray Banks as their family cat forever and ever and ever for generations to come. I think it's so cute when Danny's like, you know, you'll be my cat and then you'll be my daughter's cat and then my grandchildren's cat. It's very and cute. And like, they'll he'll just be around for their family forever. To her, that sounds like absolutely adorable. And he's probably like, oh, no. <laughs> please. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like, do you mean I'm going to become one of those fat, lazy cats that can't hunt? And she's like, yeah. You idiot. That's what house cats are. Allison falls asleep in Max's arms because they have now been trauma bonded and will be in love forever. Thank you, Disney. We cut back to the high school. The movie's not over, motherfuckers. The Sanderson sisters did not die. Surprise, surprise. They come across she and bullies, Jay and Ice. Jay and fucking Ice, formerly known as Ernie. They call them, quote unquote, ugly chicks. And Winifred is like, chicks? Ugly chicks? me bitch the queen of vanity i didn't think so and they take them and trap them in cages at the sanderson house which is where they learn not to be bullies anymore and whatever inside turbulence and trauma they have that has driven them to become mean they hopefully let go of it as they piss their pants in fear sarah jessica parker horny devil that she is is fucking with these two poor caged boys who have been eating candy all night and making other children miserable Winifred summons the book. She is starting to panic, okay? It's like three or four in the morning. They only have until sunrise to eat some children, delicious, delicious children, before they're dust dead forever, okay? So she summons the book to make itself known to her so that she can find it and she can get her fucking potions, recipes, spell casting, whatever. Brew the potion, brew the potion. And eat <laughs> some delicious kids back at the Denison house, right? Max, Allison, Danny, they kind of wake up. They're a little rumpled. They're like, Oh my God, we fell asleep in each other's arms. That's like so cute. And Allison wants to go open the book. She's been smart this whole time. Okay. Not tonight. She's like, it should be okay to open up the book because the witches are dead right like we killed them with the fire they're but not the magic Cat told them not to you gotta listen to the cat the cat the talking cat knows what the fuck is up so the cat says don't open the goddamn book but at this point the cat's asleep he's chilling he also thinks the witches are dead i don't know what he thinks he's seen but apparently not enough not in his 300 years of life not in his 300 goddamn years I mean, it was noble. They opened the book to try to help Binks because they felt like maybe they can find something or some counterspell or whatever that can help him out. It was dumb but noble. Wasn't just morbid curiosity. Wasn't just Max trying to impress Allison or anything like that. They were actually nice about it. They open up the book and apparently, unbeknownst to both Max and Allison, something that doesn't seem like it's visible to them, the book is casting this like beam of bright yellow light we cut over to the Sanderson house Winifred forlorn sad depressed This part is like she's like laying back she gives me like Mrs. Bennett vibes like she's just laying back my nerves the flutterings all over me <laughs> goodbye worlds goodbye goodbye <laughs> Sufriendo. Sufriendo. And then she asks Mary to help walk her to the window. Cause now she can't walk. Apparently she feels that the icy cold breath of death on my <laughs> cheek. <laughs> she's so fucking funny. Then that's she gets to the window and then she sees the light and sh- now she's excited, looks out the window and goes, Oh my God. Well, she, that's not what she says. Cause you know, it's not what she's believing in. Oh my devils. She goes outside. She looks out the window <laughs> and she's like, it's the book. The book is making itself known. We need to go find it. Earlier in the movie, as they were on some of these random escapades through Salem, someone stole their brooms. Again, this town is just like white privilege and mischief. So they go into the closet of the Sanderson house that has been turned into a museum. So it's got, you know, some more modern like cleaning supplies. Winifred grabs the last broom that remains. Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker, grabs a mop. I guess it'll serve the same purpose as a broom and poor Mary just getting ignored all the time, left and right grabs a fucking unplugged standing vacuum cleaner. Oh my God. As she starts flying, the vacuum fucking turns on. (laughs) This is a a movie about witches. It's a hoot and a holler to hear her vacuuming through the sky. The logic does not logic, (laughs) but it doesn't have to. We are suspending our disbelief. Fine. They're back, baby. They're back in business. As we cut back to Max and Allison and they're looking at the spell book, they also see a couple of almost like counter spells where Allison's like, oh, a ring of salt can keep the witches from attacking you or like can keep the spells from working or whatever. Banks wakes up. He jumps over and slams the book shut right in front of Allison and Max. He said, I told you not to open the book no matter what. And they said, okay, well, the witches are dead. Like, we thought it was fine. They closed the book. Too late, baby. The witches have seen the beacon of light. They know where the fuck they're going. So she grabs the the can of salt because she's getting ready to walk home. She's just realized that it's about 5 in the morning. And now she's like, you know, I got to walk home. I would feel safe with some salt. (laughs) And then they go into the cupboard. And they have a moment. They do have a moment. They almost kiss. And it's very cute. And then they hear this massive fucking big bang from the top of the house. As they run upstairs to see what the fuck has happened, turns out that the witches have crashed into or broken into rather his tower bedroom and kidnapped Danny, taken the book back. The kids got cocky and now they're about to learn another lesson. They take Danny, they fly away on their broom, mop, and vacuum, respectively. As they fly away, they fucking destroy the roof of this adorable duplex bedroom, which bothers me so much. <laughs> that is going to take so much time to fix. I just, the parents just moved. I mean, this had to be so expensive. Anyway, they're dancing until they die. So, Paola has called out here. Winifred cutting through the screen with her nails is creepy. Like, as a kid, you're watching, like, the green of this window just split in half like just Just slice on her nail just slicing through with a nail and I feel like you just picture that like that and the mummy with the mouths like sewed together Uh. are like just visuals as a kid that don't leave you oh those are nightmare fuel they fuck with you nightmare fuel exactly All right, so the witches have blown out the gorgeous attic tower bedroom at Max's house binks is with max and allison sister sarah sings the song come little children that we heard at the top of the movie when thackeray binks's sister was kidnapped by the sanderson sisters and she's flying through the sky singing this song flying on her mop right and you see it as it's like pulling all the kids out of their homes all the parents are still at the party by the way Every single parent in town has gone to this. party. (laughs) Every single parent. Not one parent stayed home that night and they said, oh, you're seven. You can go fuck yourself, kid. I'm going to go to this party. So she sings the song Come Little Children. And this is another kind of plot holy bit. Again, we are suspending our disbelief. The song does not work on Max and Allison. You assume they're too old for the witches to want to consume their souls. But it works on kids that look exactly their age. <laughs> it, it works on other large children that look just like them that you assume to be teenagers. Well, who's going to save the town if Max and Allison are hypnotized? But, anyway, you're supposed to get the sense that it's like younger children. They prefer younger children stealing their life force, whatever. These kids are walking like zombies through the street, filling up the roads. It is creepy as hell. Also... I absolutely know that they did this for effect. None of these kids have changed out of their costumes. None of them. Did you go to bed in your fucking Halloween costume? I know I did Who's going to change them out of their costume? Their parents aren't home and nobody's telling them nothing. They fell asleep. If they fell asleep, it was on their own. They're staying up. They're having all the candy. There's no adults. These kids are essentially on cocaine. Guide them. (laughs) It's makeup and Halloween costumes left and fucking right. We cut over to the Sanderson house. Danny is kidnapped. She's tied to the chair. Now that they have the spell book, they're able to concoct this potion, the potion for the soul-sucking youth-making activities. They try to feed it to her. She's like sealing up her lips. She's trying not to drink it. She gets really annoyed. They get really, really frustrated with her, especially Winifred. Winifred is obviously evil, full stop period. But one of Winifred's biggest character flaws that I think leads to the conclusion of the movie is that she's got tons and tons of pride. Like they could have made a bunch of decisions where the witches would win essentially. And like the children of the town would lose, but she doesn't because she is so hell bent on getting revenge from Danny, Max and Allison. Max and Allison have taken Max's parents car. He's 16. I don't know if he technically knows how to drive. Maybe he has a permit in any case, All the adults are in town, baby. They're dancing the night away. No one's going to catch him. He's having trouble driving through the fucking streets because of all the kids blocking up the roads. He finally makes it to the Sanderson home where Allison has concocted a plan of using the headlights of his parents car to try and trick them into believing that the sun is rising. Because they don't understand what daylight savings time is. And quite frankly, neither do I. So (laughs) (laughs) so Max and Allison and Binks show up to the house. They start saying, ha ha ha, daylight savings time, you, you fucking bitches. And the witches are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Let me consume the life force of your little sister. And he gets Allison to turn on the car headlights. It's bright as fuck. In no way the natural sun has ever risen. They didn't have H.I.D.s yet back then. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the witches do the same dramatic bullshit they've done for the entire movie, where they're like, oh, the burning, the pain. And it's like, bitch, this isn't the sun. There's nothing happening. There's nothing happening to you. They're just anticipating what's going to happen. They all collapse to the ground. Winifred, queen of drama, give her an Oscar immediately. Like, oh, my life, my my sisters. Max runs in and unties Danny. He sees the two bullies ordered from Wish caged Mm -hmm. up literally in these cages that are hanging from the ceiling. And he goes and like fucks with them. It spins the cages around. Mind you, these are the bullies who have stolen his cross trainers who have messed with him for this entire movie. Who's British? (laughs) Why are they British? Who's British? (laughs) I can't say cross trainers in an American accent. I just can't. It doesn't work for me. They're like, please, like, save us, please. And he's like, nah, you guys suck ass. He leaves them in the cages, which is pretty uncool. And his sister, they run after a solid 30-second head start. They fainted. They're on the ground, eyes closed. They're crying. They think they're dead. I don't know how it happened the fucking first time. Don't they know what death feels like? Plot hole, again. The witches realize that they are still alive, and they have just enough potion left in the cauldron for one child. Winifred puts it in this dope ass little glass bottle and says, we're going to go find a kid to give this to, to consume. Mary, secretly smart, is like, we should give it to any one of the kids, literally on their front lawn. They've already got dozens of kids just waiting to be delicious dinner for these witches, Mary's like, fucking look outside, you dumbass. We could consume any one of these kids. And then we would survive sunrise. We would be able to find them afterward and do it all again, bitch. Come on, let's think logically. And Winifred, her hubris, is like, no, it needs to be that little motherfucking brat. I'm going to kill her ass. The clock is ticking, baby. Winifred made the wrong choice. If you're rooting for Winifred, you're pissed right now. And then Winifred elaborates... In quotes, she really hurt my feelings. She doesn't even know me because all of these kids have called her ugly and old and a hag. I mean, she is ugly, old and a hag. She sure is. The sisters are like, don't feel bad. They don't really know you. And Winifred goes, I've always wanted a child. And she's crying. And for a second, you think she's being earnest before she reminds you again. She's a dramatic bitch with a lot of snaz and pizzazz. And she goes, now I think I'll have one on toast. So they go off to catch Max and Danny. Winifred is on a broom. Sarah is on a mop. Mary, baby, she is on that vacuum cleaner. They are flying up to the car. And I will quote Paola's notes. The CGI is serious. (laughs) I mean, for 1993, I ain't mad at them. They're flying alongside the car. Max is driving the car. She pulls up and she's doing a little stand-up routine as she's on her fucking broom next to the driver's side window. And she's like... Do you even have your learner's permit? And it's like, bitch, what fucking year is it? And then she goes, are you resisting arrest? What? First of all, this is an ACAP household. But what is this? What are we doing? Resisting arrest. Max punches her in the fucking face. Knocks her off the broom. The kids drive to the ceremony. They come across Billy Butcherson, the mummy zombie hybrid. And he catches Max and everyone's fucking freaking out. Is he going to kill Max? Is he going to hold him hostage? Is he going to take him to Winifred? At this point, flying Winifred has caught up to them. She's in the air over the cemetery and orders the mummy to kill Max. The zombie takes a knife. I'm pretty sure he's like stolen a knife from Max, like a pocket knife or something. Takes the knife, opens it up. It looks suspiciously like he is about to slit Max's throat. The zombie cuts open the stitches across his mouth younger me this scene is gross correct where he's literally slicing the stitches open it gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies a fun fact i read that the actor who played the part of billy butcherson actually held a plastic pouch of live moths inside of his mouth (laughs) So that when he, wow. quote unquote, cut his mouth open, real moths would fly out. So that was a practical effect, not a digital effect, which is fucking is dedication. bananas. A bunch of moths and dust fly out of this poor man's mouth. And he coughs a little bit and says, wench, trollop, buck-toothed, mop-riding, firefly from hell. <laughs> Max turns and he's like, God damn, my dude. Hello. Where was this resistance before? You know, he's been waiting for centuries to say that. Meanwhile, Max's entire <laughs> face contorts because you can only imagine what 300 year old zombie breath smells like. That's how we find out that Billy Butcherson is a fucking ally. He's fighting the witch power. He's hanging with the kids. Max runs over to where Allison and Danny have been hiding. He lets them know, hey, man, he's going to help us. Billy has the good idea of putting Danny in his grave, surrounded by a ring of salt for protection from the witches. Allison and Max are trying to gear up. They're getting ready to fight the witches with a bat? Question mark? And I mean a baseball bat. I don't mean like a vampire (laughs) bat. I mean a witch bat. A witch bat. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Beat that witch with a bat. I beat my witch with a bat. It. No, a baseball bat. Oh my God. Otra vez. Winifred kicks Billy Butcherson's head off because remember, she is flying, either on a mop or on a broom. He has to go find his fucking head. Danny, trying to help him find his head, leaves the protection of the salt grave. Poor Danny. She's like such a sweetheart. She wants to help the already dead mummy <laughs> find his head. So she comes out of her safety of the grave. Winifred takes this opportunity to snatch her up. Binks jumps up to stop her. The potion's falling. None of it spills. The cork is fully out of the bottle. Not a drop falls down. Like Max catches the potion and chooses to drink the potion himself so that the witches have no choice but to take him instead of Danny. And then Winifred says, what a fool to give up thy life for thy sister. And I would give my life for my sister. I would give my life for my sister. I'd beat a witch with a bat. Beat that witch with a bat. I beat that witch with a bat. So Winifred drops Danny and then takes him. But he's... He's a big kid. And so he's fighting back. Kicking, he's fighting, he's punching. Sarah (laughs) is like a boy, all starry-eyed and fucking gross. Mary tries to go get help and they grab her vacuum cord. <laughs> and so everything's gone to shit. At this point, the sun starts to come up, like legitimately. They're still holding Mary and they let go. So essentially like how you would let go a rubber band. They let go of the cord and sends her flying. Winifred falls off of her broom. She falls down to the ground of the cemetery. She's on hollow ground, but nothing's happening yet. She gets up and grabs Max to start like sucking the life out of him. Mm -hmm. But now she starts turning into stone. I guess this is the thing that happens when you step on (laughs) (laughs) Halloween. You turn to stone. The sun fully comes up and the sisters explode. They spontaneously combust. No gore. They explode into like ash. It's light and ash and they're gone the whole time they could have just waited it out till dawn yes bitch after everything they did throughout the whole movie they could have just kept them from eating children correct and just waited it out yeah what a cool thing so once they explode all of their spells break so does everything go back to normal does the house repair itself listen You know, they're twenty grand deep (laughs) with that house, okay? (laughs) That room, it's beyond repair. It needs a new roof. That tower? Oh, man. It's not that the damage is repaired. It's that all the active spells that they've put on people break. So the kids who were zombie walking to the Sanderson home are now confused as fuck. Why am I here? Why am I not in my bed? The parents at the fucking city hall dance or whatever... Their spell is broken. We don't see them until a little later on, but they will not be dancing until they die. When all of the spells break, Billy, the zombie mummy, goes back into his grave, yawns and falls into sleep. He's been dead for 300 years and he's still ready to sleep. And I respect <laughs> this it. This is me. This is me when I wake up on a Monday. <laughs> Like, I could wake up from a coma and they'd be like, Nadja, you've been out for 10 years. We never thought you'd make it. And I'd be like, I think I'm gonna go back to sleep, though. I'm so tired. Like, it's been really cool, but I'm gonna go back to sleep. The last spell that we are afraid of seeing broken is Binks. Danny looks over to Binks, and his little limp cat body is yeah. laying on the ground. on unalive. R.I.P. Binks. You know what, though? The tombstone he died at, I guess, was Emily Binks's grave, which is like, like super sad. Then they hear somebody called Danny's name. And when they look, it's human Binx. But human Binks's ghost? It's human Binx's ghost that can touch stuff. Ah, I- plot holes again, which is it? The spirit of human Binks, who is now standing in the cemetery, looking at Danny. Danny's crying. This child actress is phenomenal. She's so sad that Binks is leaving, even though now his his spirit can like travel to wherever he has to go. He's not cursed anymore. And he says that he's finally free. He's wearing the clothes that he died in. You know what he reminds me of? What? You know the part in Casper where he comes back, they gift him the couple minutes to be like human form. And he goes and dances with um, Christina Ricci with his friend. Binks, Thackeray Binks, not cat Binks. Thanks Danny and Max for freeing him. Which is very, very cute. Mm. If there is any moment of this movie that is a tearjerker, it is this one. Then in the distance, we see the spirit ghostiness of his sister, Emily. This is the part where I'm like, oh, she starts to call to him, which is very, very cute. She does a little sing songy call of his name. Thackeray goes up to Danny and says, I shall always be with you will you because now you're leaving for the afterlife like where are you gonna be he's gonna watch over her that's so weird he says i shall always be with (laughs) you (laughs) and also with you (laughs) and also with your spirit (laughs) um (laughs) kisses her on the cheek which is sweet it is super like little crush like little girl crush kind of vibes yeah for sure it gives me casper the friendly ghost vibes when he has his little minutes as a human Yeah, I got to watch that again. Thackeray walks away, waves goodbye, leaves with Emily, which is like super cute. They just walk into the fucking forest. Maybe that's where the afterlife is. And Emily says... (laughs) (laughs) Not the forest. Ryan just said, that's my afterlife. Emily says, Thackeray, Binks, what took you so long? And he says... Because we can't let this joke die. We have to continue to remind the viewers that Max was a virgin. And he's the reason why all of this happens. He's like, I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. And that's supposed to be a ha ha ha. You know, a thing you say to your sister after she's dead. That's supposed to be a fun goof. His little sister, who's probably also... I'm assuming she's supposed to understand what a virgin is they walk off and then you cut to black but then it cuts to the parents all coming out of the party at dawn dancing spell is broken the dad is like and i thought la was a party town because you can only imagine how (laughs) fucking exhausted these parents are like they've been (laughs) dancing for like nine hours straight Are they aware they're dancing? Are they just dancing and can't control that they're dancing? Like, are they tired and can't sit down? Are they suffering dancing? Dude, I would love to know that. I don't know. We cut back to the Sanderson house where Jay and Ice, formerly known as Ernie, are still hanging in those cages, fucking freaking out. And I guess this is supposed to be a moment where we're like, that's what you get when you're a bully. Jesus, it's so dark. I'm like, can someone save them and then make them try to be better? I think you find out it, what happens to them in the second movie. Because here you don't. Yeah, it leaves you to believe that they're going to be fucking stuck there for months until they're dead. Well, uh, hopefully their parents will look for them. I don't know about that, Paola. They might not have parents. They might oh, not have ouch. parents. As we're in the Sanderson home, we pan over to the book. Similar to the opening of the movie. We close on the Sanderson sisters spell book. The book is still there. That little bitch is blinking. Don't like that. Don't fucking like that. Dun, dun, dun. And now, baby, it's the credits. Rap on Hocus Pocus. So how do you feel about Hocus Pocus? How do I feel about Hocus Pocus? That's a great question. So it's a super nostalgic movie for me. I really like it because it's nostalgic. I think if I had watched it for the first time as an adult, I would not like it. Yeah. I mean, I remember it just being on kind of Mm -hmm. like growing up. Like I remember bits and pieces of it. It never I can't say like it ever became like a go to movie for me, not even around Halloween. Maybe there was one movie I would watch every Halloween and that was Casper hocus pocus didn't really do it for me it was creepy i stay away from creepy stuff from a young age I <laughs> away From creepy shit and even watching it you know now with my kids they find it funny and you know a lot of the shit goes over their head for me it's all very cringe yeah it's difficult i think a lot of that gray area stuff that you would see a lot of in the it 80s and 90s me yeah it doesn't age well like one or two jokes about being a virgin would have been more than enough one or two jokes about Sarah Jessica Parker wanting to fuck a kid would have been more than enough like the way that they clearly were like isn't this so funny those are the things that of course you have to contextualize the media that you consume in the time that it was made I can't 100% judge a 1993 movie by 2023 standards but it does make it a little bit more difficult to watch I think today I can't be a fan I get it. This movie's very ingrained in, like, American Halloween culture. It's very nostalgic for a lot of people. They go back to it every holiday. They show it to their kids. And I'm just like, uh. Uh, I will probably watch it more in the future. Like, as a nostalgic thing around Halloween time, it's a tricky movie to consume. I did send Paola a really funny article that I had found on Bustle that was like, hocus pocus is a bad movie (laughs) (laughs) no shit i don't know if you had the chance to read that paola but so some fun facts that i found about this film Mm -hmm. um and also this is just like imdb facts totally but i always read (laughs) imdb facts as do i because i am a nerd but the last witch trial in new england was of a mother and daughter and they were both named winifred no wonder makes a lot of sense And Winifred Sr., her mother was named Mary, and she was also accused of witchcraft. So maybe those stories inspired the names for the Sanderson sisters. I think so. And I know, Paola, you have a lot of feelings on, like, witches and the way we talk about witches in society. There's a lot of history there, right? There's so many different aspects of, like the way witchcraft is defined, right? And like what defines as witchcraft um depending on where your beliefs lie. And you know, as far as like this time period, right? The the what we're talking about, the 17th century, 1600s, the 17th century. Um, yep. This is like the height of colonization. This is pre-revolution. You're dealing with settlers coming into places with indigenous practices. I think it was an attack on women more than anything else. Mm -hmm. When I speak specifically about the Salem witch trials and this time in history. And it demonized not just women who were considered outsiders, but also people of different beliefs. To say good things about the movie, like Bette Midler phenomenal she gives a a performance for the fucking ages as Winifred Sanderson the all of the child actors amazing like the three of them including Allison being smart hot girl Max wearing a tie dye t-shirt from California and Danny especially all three of them give amazing performances so there are so many things to appreciate about the movie while still critiquing it and while understanding that sometimes people like things that don't necessarily have to be critically good You can just like them and that's fine. Yeah. though I feel like that's most childhood movies we grew up with. Yeah. And I think any ones that we end up revisiting in the course of like recording a podcast, we will definitely have to reckon with a lot of the context. So let's wrap it up. We finished up Hocus Pocus. I'm going to ask you, book or movie? Just kidding. This wasn't a book. (laughs) So you don't have anything to pick, bitch. Will your husband watch this with you? No. Really?
1: I wouldn't watch this with me.
0: You're- <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. No. Um, like, we've definitely done, like, all right, family movie night. It's October. It's spooky season. So let's pick something Halloween y. Th- this has made the cut once or twice. We'll have pretend we're watching, and the kids, you know, they're having a hoot and holler yeah. at like, Mary writing a. A vacuum cleaner. With everything going overhead, and I'm just like, oh Definitely, definitely got asked a couple times what a virgin is. I am one to be very honest with my children. So I made that explanation the first time the question came up. Hopefully didn't have to talk about it again, but then I have another one coming of age. And so I will probably get that question this year, as he is eight years old now. And it's probably going to be like, um, cross that bridge when you get to it. Oh, yeah, sure. Will your husband watch this with you? He did watch it with me. We both got a kick out of it. I mean, we were like laughing at stuff, but would we watch this like again and make a tradition out of it? I don't think he's down for that. Yeah, he just confirmed. He's not down. Not a tradition. Watching it once was <laughs> enough. On a scale of one to ardently admire and love, I could answer this for you, but how do you feel about this movie? Ah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> This okay, how do I feel about this movie? I don't especially like it. Um however, I think it's just one of those things that you kind of have to watch and be familiar with to be able to understand certain references in American media. Mm-hmm. And because it really is kind of a staple of American Halloween and so it's one of those things that that you know it's kind of like a uh, like okay all right <laughs> okay <laughs> I think on a scale of 1 to ardently admire and love pretending that ardently admire and love is a 10 it's probably a 6 for me like a 6 or a 7 if I'm flicking through channels because for some reason I'm in a museum where they have a TV with channels on it and it comes up, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I know exactly what's coming, baby. She's comforting. Like, I know this plot. We know what's going to happen. The witches are going to lose. Am I going to, like, go out of my way to find it and put it on more than one time because it's October? No. I'll probably watch it the one time, remember the things about it that make me feel icky, and then not watch it again until the following year. (laughs) Like, (laughs) oh, that's right. That's why this made me feel uncomfortable. Like, oh, ooh. (laughs) I think that's the movie, dude. Let us know what Hocus Pocus means to you. So obviously, as you've heard in this episode, Hocus Pocus can mean a variety of things for different people, depending on what generation you're from, depending on where you're from. Um, let us know down in the Q&A what impact Hocus Pocus has had on you and let us know what you think. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please leave a review anywhere you get your podcasts. Come and find us on Instagram at Cisflix Podcast. Shoot us an email at SysFlixPodcast at Gmail and let us know what you think if you have suggestions or a movie request for us to cover in the future.